Welcome to the Wake Up Podcast. I am so excited that you're here. Listen, these podcasts are best listened to in the morning because we are waking up not only our bodies from sleeping, but we're waking up our minds. We're waking up our focus. We're waking up our calling and we are following the breadcrumbs that God has left for us throughout the day over our life to tell us exactly what to do next. So stop saying that you don't know what to do. Stop feeling overwhelmed. Stop living in the valley and start walking into your calling. So I'm so excited you're here. Welcome to the show. And so there was a time in my life about two years ago that I wanted to move further into my career. I wanted to be more successful and I knew something was holding me back and I didn't know what it was for the longest time, but I knew that there was a block and maybe you felt that too, where you were like, I have to move forward in this. There is something like blocking me though, that I, I can't get better. Maybe it's your mental health. Maybe it's in a career. Maybe it's in a relationship, but the only thing I kept thinking over and over in my head, which now I know it was the Holy spirit was I need to make amends with my father. And I had a lot of abandonment issues growing up with him. Um, he was in my life. He was out of my life. He was in my life. He was out of my life, in my life, out of my life when I was really little. And I knew that, that that had messed me up. I had talked to my mom about it and I just always knew that my abandonment from him was causing me a lot of pain and hurt as I got older. And so when I wanted to move forward, I'm like, something's telling me I need to make amends with my father and I need to forgive him. And I knew that I couldn't do that on my own. <laughs> I needed, and I knew I couldn't do it just with God because I needed someone to force me to be accountable. I needed someone to like push me into scripture and to tell me what to do. Um, I was isolating and I was very fearful, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, but I needed that outside help. And I went and found a therapist and I told her, I said, the only reason why I'm here is because I have to forgive my dad because I have to move forward in my career. And it sounds crazy, but I know that all of my wounds from my past are holding me back from where God wants me to be. And that's what we're going to talk about today are things that are stopping you from receiving God's grace and blessing in your life the way that he intended it to. Because every single one of us has been created for a reason, on purpose, for a purpose. We've all heard that so many times. And God's main goal is to use us to further his kingdom and change the world. Like that's it. He wants us to love him and be connected to him and walk with him. And he wants us to shine our light so bright that we get from him that we go and we impact the world. We change the world by telling other people about Jesus, by telling other people how to walk by faith and to live in peace and to become the people that we've always wanted to be. And that's his number one goal, but the devil also has a number one goal. And his number one goal is to stop that from happening at any cost possible. And he wants to continue generational sins and curses. He wants to get you addicted. Or if your mom was addicted or your dad was addicted to something, now it's passed down onto you and your mom was an alcoholic and then you were an alcoholic 
And that's not coincidental. It's not a coincidence that addiction actually runs through your blood. And if someone in your immediate family has struggled with addiction, you have a way higher probability of also struggling with addiction. And it's all the devil's plan. He wants to wound us both physically and mentally. And so what happens is God has this plan and he wants us to further his kingdom and change the world. And the devil's like, "Mm -mm, no, no, we don't want Kristen to do that. We're going to have her struggle. We're going to, I'm going to throw this relationship in there. I'm going to throw this abuse in there. I'm going to throw this trauma in there. We're going to really get her. We're going to get her to fall for this idea that we don't need God. We can do it on our own. We're strong enough on our own. We can go out there and do it. And then we think we're in control and we think that we can handle our lives and we think that we can steer the ship and a limiting belief I used to have, which I didn't realize it was a limiting belief. A limiting belief just is something that you truly believe, but it's actually limiting you. So a limiting belief that I had was I can do anything I want if I want to do it. If I set my mind to this, I can do it. And it was a limiting belief because that's actually not true. If you're not meant to do something and God doesn't want you down a path, it doesn't matter how hard you work. It doesn't matter what you hustle and what you sacrifice, you will never get it because that's not where God wants you to go. And so for me, when I felt this blockage and I knew I needed something more, I knew that God was telling me that I needed to grow. I needed to mature. I needed to heal in order for him to use me. And I was called. I felt the calling on my life from a very young age. I knew that I was called. I didn't know what that meant. And I wasn't a believer in God my whole life. I just knew that I was created in a different way. I thought differently than other people. I had this like internal drive for something greater. I kind of had this, just like this internal knowing that there was something big I was going to be a part of in my life. And as I've opened up and shared that with people, a lot of people have opened up and shared that with me. Like, I feel the same way. I just kind of didn't want to say that. And I felt kind of conceited or different or strange, but it's true because we have been called. We have a calling on our life. It's not like you're some weird random person that you feel like you're set apart and you're different. It's because you are, it's because God has called you. And so when you feel this draw to do something different or this draw, like I did to all of a sudden, I need to go to therapy. I need to talk to someone. There's something holding me back. It's because we're being called to do something. And I knew that God was calling me down a path, but I didn't know what that looked like. I thought I did. I was in a career. I was really successful at it. I was really good at it. And I'm like, perhaps this is where I'm supposed to be. And I just couldn't get to that next level. And so I knew that I had to grow and mature and heal. Now, there's a lot of things that can happen in our life that we need to grow, mature, and heal from. Um, Things like pride or jealousy. You're not weak and you're not a bad person for struggling with any of these things, first of all. Let me just say that. Every single person struggles with sin. There is no one who is perfect besides Jesus and you are not Jesus. So you're not perfect and you're going to struggle and that's okay. And it's fine. The first thing you have to do is admit and realize and be aware of what it is that you're struggling with, what it is that you're immature about, what it is that you need to grow with, what it is you need to heal. 
And so maybe it's your pride. Maybe you're a person who can't say you're sorry. You can't admit when you're wrong. You feel like and it's your sinful nature to hold on to pride. That's why when someone calls us out on something bad that we're doing, we like put a wall up and tend to push them out of our lives because it's our pride. We don't want you to tell us that we're doing something wrong, even if we know that it is wrong because your pride is going to try to justify it. Like who do they think they are? And do they even know? And so this is what's going to happen. Your pride is actually going to hold you back from a lot of things or like jealousy. If you're a naturally jealous person where things happen and you feel like, why aren't they happening for me? And look at her stuff. And you're constantly in that jealousy and that comparison of look at what they're doing and why not me? And why do they get this? And you have this jealous spirit. It's causing you to not be able to step on the path that God intends you to be on because in order to give you the assignment that he has on your life, you have to be mature enough to handle it. You have to be ready to handle it. You have to be in a place of maturity and growth where you can handle doing that. And a long time ago, I recorded a podcast. Oh my gosh, it was probably like episode 15 or 16 or something. And it's called, are you ready for the crowd? And it talks about that. Like you're so impatient and you're like, I want, I want the thing. I want the the dollars in my bank account. I want the career. I want the title. I want the success, but are you ready for that? Because for me, I had a lot of pride. I was very jealous. I was very insecure. I was very easily offended. And if God would have given me all that I had been asking for, it would have ruined me. I mean, nobody could have even put a comment on my Instagram saying anything negative without me just replaying it for days and days and days and days and isolating and talking about it with everyone I knew and overthinking it. And is that true? And do they mean that? And I mean, he couldn't make me blow up like I wanted him to because he's like, honey, it will ruin you. Like you're not ready yet. And thank God that his timing is better than ours. And he knows that. And he is authoritative enough and is strong enough to not give us what we're begging for before we're ready. Because as a mom who have kids that beg them for things before they're ready, I am not as strong as God is. And I'm like, you're not ready for a cell phone. But here you go. Everyone else has one. So mine as well. Here you are. Like, I'm not as strong as God is. And I'm so thankful that our father is so strong because I can't imagine how hard that would be. But you need to be that strong parent. You need to be that strong father in order to give your children this successful life of furthering the kingdom and changing the world. So maybe pride and jealousy aren't your thing, but maybe you do get easily offended. And there is a book, if you are someone who gets easily offended, the book for you is called The Bait of Satan, and it's by John Bevere. The Bait of Satan, it's all about being offended and how God uses offense or how the devil uses offense in our life to get us away from God and to put a wedge in there. And so many times I have been offended and I almost left my church over dumb, dumb things like walking into a women's event and asking if I can sit at the table and they're like, oh no, all these seats are saved. And instantly I like feel like I'm back in high school. I'm like, oh my gosh, like they're rejecting me. They don't want me to sit with them. And I, and I wanted to leave because of anxiety and because of fear and because of my past trauma and my past wounds. And just like that, the devil almost got me to leave this women's event. And he uses offense so much in our life. So if this is something that you struggle with, 
I believe that if you are part of a church, if you are a consistent goer of a church, you need to read this book because even if you're someone who doesn't think that you struggle with being offended, you probably do. A lot of people have read this book and they're like, I didn't even think that I struggled with this. And my mind is blown right now at how much the devil uses me being offended to put a wedge between me and God. Another thing could be you're insecure. And if you're insecure, you're never going to be able to step into where God wants you to be because you're insecure. You're nervous. You have imposter syndrome, which is thinking that you're going to be found out like you're a phony, you're a fake. A lot of people feel imposter syndrome when they step into something for the first time. It's very normal. Um, like if you decide that, or a lot of people have imposter syndrome so bad that they don't even step into what they want to do because they have it so severe. So for instance, I talk to a lot of people who are very passionate about coaching. And they're like, I would love to be a coach. I would love to mentor women. I would love to coach them, help them. But like, who am I? I mean, I'm not a coach. Like, oh, okay, here I am. Coach. Like, I'm not a coach. I didn't even go to college. I don't have anything credential to make me be a coach. And so you feel like you're not enough because you don't have the title, because that's what the world says, that you need to have the degree. Um, you're not backed by any certifications. Or maybe you're trying to do something where you don't really need a certification. Like you want to start your own podcast, but you're like, who am I? Who am I? I'm going to have a podcast. Like, come on, get real. Like you just have this feeling of this. That's not me. It's for other people, but not for me. And I had imposter syndrome huge when I started my podcast and when I started coaching and when I started writing my book and I just kept thinking of what all the people from high school that follow me on Instagram or see me, what they're thinking, like, oh gosh, what a joke. Look at her. She has a podcast. Like who does she date? And still my friends to this day, like my best friends, I sent them a Snapchat last night and I was designing some t-shirts and I was sitting outside with my dog. And, um, I also posted to my Instagram story. So maybe you saw it, but I said, turn the sound on, like, listen to how beautiful it is outside. And I was sitting on my couch and I was doing some stuff on my computer and she commented back and said, are you designing t-shirts? LOL. And I was like, yeah, I am. I have a clothing line. Like, and it's just, you know, it's still, you're still going to get that because you can't be a prophet in your own land. And we've heard that even people rejected Jesus, not saying I'm anything like Jesus, but someone as amazing as Jesus, who was Jesus, the son of God was rejected by his own brothers. They were like, oh yeah, sure. Like you're the Messiah. Okay. You know, they, they didn't even see it. So remember in the scripture that has gotten me through so much adversity and so much hardship and so much insecurity is remember they hated me first. Remember if they hate you, they hated me first. And just remember that if you're feeling this adversity, if you're feeling like people are cutting you down. And a lot of times when you go to start something brand new, um, a lot of people are going to cut you down because they don't really want to see you fail but they also don't really want to see you go out and succeed because that makes them look worse. So people will, without even realizing it, cut you down or cut down your dreams. And you probably do it with people. Pay attention to that. We do it with our kids a lot. Like my son will be like, yeah, I'm going to have this 40,000 square foot home in California. It's going to have 12 car basement garage. You know how easy it's going to, it is to be like, oh yeah, how are we going to pay for that? Do you know how big 40,000 square feet is? 
You really think you're going to have a 40,000 square foot? Why would I even go there though? Why crush his dreams? Why cut him down? I want to say those things. And I am a visionary. I am a dreamer and I am a go, go get it. Like pray for it, work for it and go get it. But it's even just a fleshly desire in me to be like, oh yeah, right. You know, call BS on someone. Like that's not going to work. That'll never work. But don't be a dream squasher like so many other people are but we don't we don't even realize it because we're not intentional of it but I mean jealousy is a real thing and so is insecurity and you can be a 30 40 50 60 year old woman and be extremely insecure it's not something that just 15 year olds struggle with in 10th grade we all struggle with it we're we, we all do and especially if you've always struggled with it and you never grew and worked on it you never have grown. You've never matured in it. God wants to use you for something big. So don't let these things hold you back from the blessings and the gift and the path that God has you on. So my favorite thing to do is if you're struggling with, let's say insecurity, go on Google and type in, what does the Bible say about insecurity? And my favorite website to click on is openbible.info, I think. And I love that one because it's so easy to read all the scriptures and they're just so nicely, like aesthetically simple. There's no ads on it. You don't have to click anywhere else. It's all just in a row of all of the scriptures that talk about insecurity, write down the scriptures on a note card that really set well with your spirit that just come out where you're like, yes, this is what I need. And read them daily, write them on your bathroom mirror with an expo marker, and then pray, make a list of prayers that God helps you to get rid of your insecurity, because you can't do it on your own. You cannot do it on your own. You have to ask for God's help. And you have the, the highest King of the entire universe, granting anything that you need from him. One of the scriptures that I love, it says, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all the things we ask for? I mean, he literally gave up his son for your life. You don't think that he's going to help you with your insecurity? I mean, come on. Like he is going to help you with your insecurity. He'll help you with anything you ask for, but how often are you asking? Are you really spending your time asking for things that you truly need or are you just too busy? Are you just in survival mode where you're just like, you wake up and now, now all the kids are back to school. So you wake up, you're running late, you're stressed out. You wake your kids up, you make your coffee, you're running around, you're packing lunches, you're making sure their stuff's done, their teeth are brushed. You're getting in the car, you're doing all this stuff. And then you're racing to work. You're working your job. You're eating your lunch super fast. You're coming home. You're grabbing the kids. You're making dinner. I mean, it is literally just like, I always say like you're strapped to the Gravitron, you know, the Gravitron at the carnival, that's that spaceship that spins in a circle. You're strapped to the Gravitron and it's like, here you go. Now you're a mom. And you're like, I don't like, I'm getting sick. I can't do this anymore. Like everything is spinning and it's like, keep going, keep going. You got it. Come on, keep going. And then the world is in your ear and every advertisement, every post on Instagram, every coworker, every radio that you're listening to, everything is telling you like, you need more, hustle more, work harder. Don't you want this new car? Don't you want this new house? Don't you want this vacation? Don't you want this? And really what you need is you need to work on yourself. You need to heal. 
You need to grow. You don't have time. You can't afford to be so busy that you don't have time to ask God to help you. Because if you do that, you are going to be strapped to the Gravitron your entire life and you are never going to move out and do what you're supposed to do. You're going to be just spinning in circles and it's going to be the same old, same old, same old, same old, same old trauma, same old relationship, same old abuse, different person, different abuser, same thing, same person, different thing. It's going to always be the same. It's going to keep popping back up just like fear. Fear is another thing that really holds us back. And it's what still holds me back to this day. The fear of the fear of what people are going to think, the fear of the unknown, the fear of, am I good enough? The fear of where am I going is I don't, I don't want to run because it's dark. I don't even know where I'm going. What if I fail? What if everyone makes fun of me? What if this doesn't work? What if, all of the, what ifs, all of the fears that are holding you back. But if you keep running away from your fear, it's just going to keep popping back up. Like if you're afraid to talk in front of people, that's America's number one biggest fear is public speaking. If you're afraid to talk to a group of people, but you so bad want to do a podcast or you so bad want to speak on stage one day, but you're so scared of it. If you keep just being scared of it and not doing anything, you'll never bust through it and be able to do it. When I started, when I started speaking for the very first time, I was doing Facebook lives and I was terrified, like terrified to go live on Facebook. But I, I was in a challenge with my old company and they said, you need to go live on Facebook 15 times in 15 days. And I did it and I was terrified, but I did it 15 times in 15 days. And then, you know what? It wasn't as bad as I thought it was. And I'm like, okay, okay. I didn't die. Like I'm still alive. Those 15 videos sucked and I deleted most of them, but I did it. I'm like, oh, okay. That wasn't that bad. So then someone asked me to speak on a call and I was like, yeah, I could do that. I was a little nervous, like, but I was like, okay, I'll do it. And then I did it. It was just like praying. I was really nervous to pray out loud. And a lot of people are, if we were ever in church or a Bible study or a group or anything, and people were like, does anyone want to pray? I would, I would always have it in me. Like say, say yes, say, do it, raise your hand. But my fear would keep me quiet. And I would just say, please, somebody else pray. I would be praying that someone else would raise their hand. Lord, Holy Spirit, speak to someone else that they would pray so I don't have to because of fear. And I don't know what I was fearful of. It was just the fear of doing something new, the fear of doing something out loud that I've never done before. And it was holding me back from who I needed to be. God wanted me to grow in this. So same with fear. What did I do to get over fear? It is I realized that the more you learn about something, the better you feel about it. So I started learning about fear. What is fear? Like what even is fear? And what, um, so fear, let me give you the, the definition first. Fear is an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. And so then I went on to Google and I typed in, what does the Bible say about fear? And I clicked on openbible.info and I read all of the scriptures about fear. And after I did that, I was like, literally fear is just straight from the devil. God does not give us a spirit of fear. God does not say to be fearful. He says, do not be fearful and be courageous. Everywhere in the Bible, he says, do not fear for I am with you. I am your God. Do not be scared. Do not be fearful. 
that is from the devil. Like, so when I started writing scriptures down and reciting them, whenever I felt fearful, I just started reading all my scriptures because, and then I would feel better because I'm like, right, this is in my head. This is from the devil. And then I started praying out loud. I started praying for protection against the devil and for the devil to get away from me and my family. And I am not fearful and I am a child of God and I am the daughter of the highest King. And I believe what God says about me. And I don't believe what the devil says about me. And he is just trying to get me off my path. He is trying to trick me. He's trying to get in my head. You're there's no place for you here. I don't care what you do to me. I am never going to lose faith. I will continue to walk with God. I know my purpose. I know my identity. I know my calling. I know who I am. And let me just tell you, two years ago, I wasn't at that place. I didn't even know what to pray. I'm like, I'm feeling fearful. Like, what do I even do? And that's why I started talking about this because I realized no one was there to help me. Nobody was coming. I was sitting there and I was crying in my bathroom and I was having panic attack and panic attack and I was self-medicating and I was miserable, journaling about wanting to end my own life. I had everything that I thought that I wanted and I was the most miserable I'd ever been in the world. And I was reaching out to everyone. No one could relate. No one would open up. No one would talk to me about it. No one could help me. And I realized that no one was coming. God was the only person that was standing there. And he was like, hello, hello, I'm here. Come on. I will help you. I promise you, I will help you. Come to me, come to me, come to me. And finally, when I did, I saw the help. I got the help. I was healed. I did grow. I did mature. I'm still a work in progress, but God showed up. And I realized that so many other women need to know what to do. They need to know that they're under attack from the devil. They need to know that fear is holding them back. All of these things that are holding you back are shackles around your ankle, holding you back. Like you want to, you want to walk down the road, but you're shackled and you can't. And you don't know why you're not walking forward, but it's your jealousy. It's you're easily offended, your insecurity, your fear. Um, some other things too are harms done to us or harms done by us. So harms done to us are things that hold us back and things that we need to grow, mature, and heal from. Maybe you were abused when you were younger. Maybe you were abandoned like me. Maybe you were raped. Maybe you were neglected. Maybe you were lied to, manipulated. Whatever happened to you was not what God intended. God did not intend that. And a lot of people ask the question, like, why do bad things happen to good people? And it's not because of God. God is a perfect, pure God, but things happen in this world because of sin. And he is trying to change that. He doesn't want that to happen. He doesn't want you to be heartbroken. He doesn't want you to be abused. So if you come to him and you start realizing, okay, maybe you've struggled with abuse, go online and type in, what does the Bible say about abuse? What does the Bible say about healing? Go, go talk to a counselor that specializes in abuse. Go tell your story, heal from it because the devil wants two biggest things. Why he keeps your mouth shut and he keeps your head down and why people do not get help with any of these things that I'm listing. The first one is fear. And the second one is isolation. He instills fear in you to where you don't want to open up. You don't want to face the other side. 
you don't want to do it and you're fearful. And the other one is he puts you in isolation. And the definition of isolation is solitude, seclusion means the state of one who is all alone. All alone. He is trying to get you all alone because if you're all alone, you have no advice. You have no mentorship. You have no community. And that's why the Bible talks about where two or where three or more are gathered, there I am in the midst of them. Everywhere in the Bible, God says, meet in community. Do not stop meeting together as the time for my return is coming closer and closer every single day. Do not neglect getting together. Do not be isolated. Do not be alone. Step together in ministry, community. That's why the church was created. The church is not the building that you attend on Sunday. The church is the group of people that congregate together to form the church. That's what the church is. You can have the church without even a building. You can be out, out in a field and you're in a church because the church is the people and he knows how important it is for community. I mean, look at how important it is for a tribe of people and why people back in the day, and I talk about this all the time because it's so true. When you were out in the wilderness and your ancestors hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago, they couldn't live by themselves. It was like strength in numbers. Like, okay, I'm going to hunt. And while I'm out there hunting, I need you to cook the food. And while, I'm, while you're cooking the food, I need you to gather the wood. And I need you to make the houses. And I need you to raise the children. And I, everyone had a job. You couldn't just raise this family with no community. And they, the saying is it takes a village because it does take a village. It really takes a village. And I've learned that the most in motherhood because as I'm trying to raise four kids in Christ, not in the world, out in the world though, I have realized that it's so hard. It's so hard to do things completely different than the world says to do them. It's so hard even for me to do things the right way when the world is telling you to do the wrong things. And so I realized through motherhood that I need help. I'm like, please, somebody tell me what to do. Tell me, what did you do with your kids for this? What did you do with your kids for that? What, what kind of expectations did, what kind of boundaries did you set? What kind of rules did you set? What'd you do if this happened? And a lot of par parents didn't know what to tell me. A lot of them, Christian parents in my church that I really looked up to, these Christian mentors were like, I, uh, we really don't, we really didn't um, talk about pornography. We don't have any kind of softwares on our kids' phones that are monitoring what they look at. Uh, we don't really have any rules regarding their phone. They just sleep with them upstairs. We don't really have discussions about sex. We haven't really talked about tithing or, and I'm like, wake up people. Like, what do you mean you haven't taught your kids this? What do you mean you're not talking to your kids about this? The world is talking to them about it. And if you're not, how are you going to raise kids up in the world if you're not doing it when they're kids? Raise them up in the way they should go and they will never depart. Raise them up, not teach them when they're 18, not teach them when they're 16, raise them up from when they're little. There's, there was no one to help me. And so I'm like, I need help. I need a community. I need a village. There isn't a village. I'm going to make a village. So I started a mom's ministry at my church because I'm like, if I don't know what to do and you all don't know what you should do, we should come together and learn what to do, right? Like, in order to change the world, God has given us kids that are called to be arrows, 
shooting arrows out into darkness and to change the world. We're growing our tribe to impact the darkness and to win the battle. So we need to construct the village and get a plan together. And I don't know everything about motherhood. I barely know any of it. Like I just said, but you don't have to be an expert or a know-it-all to start something. If you feel called to do it, answer the calling and God will equip you. That's what he did with everyone in the Bible. He didn't equip them first. Like Moses, stuttering, couldn't really talk very clearly. God spoke to him and said, go and tell the authorities, let my people go and go demand it. And, and he was still stuttering. He still was insecure. He still couldn't speak with confidence. So he didn't feel equipped. But when he got in front of the authorities and he spoke, it was clear as day. And God equipped him. And look at Daniel in the lion's den and David and Goliath. Like David couldn't win a fight. He was this little guy going against this huge giant and he had rocks. Like, are you serious? Like he was, it wasn't like God was like, okay, you're going to go fight him. Here's a machine gun. Here's a machete. Here's a bow and arrow. Here's an army. No, he was like, you can do this. Go do it. And he walked up and did it. And then this morning, my daughter was reading her devotional. Um, by the way, if your kids don't read a devotional, but my favorite one ever is the purpose driven life for kids devotional. You can get it on Amazon. It's just one little page. Obviously it's written in like kids terms. It's a scripture. It's a little blurb and then a little prayer. And it gets them in the habit of reading a devotional every single morning. And if you expect your kids to read a devotional every single morning, then you better be reading a devotional every single morning because it's not do as I say, it's do as I do. You will be a way better role model in your household if you are just silently doing your devotionals every morning at your kitchen table and your family sees you and you never say a word about them. They will see that and they will pick that up as they become adults. So don't underestimate what you're doing. Don't always do it behind closed doors because people in your family need to see this even your husband, even your older kids, even your mom who comes over, leave your stuff out on your counter, leave your Bible out on your counter, leave your devotional on your counter. It, it works. I'm telling you, but this devotional, I learned this morning. I said, what did you uh, read in your devotional? And she told me, and then we read it together and I looked at it and I didn't even know this, but Joshua was fighting this army and God stopped the sun from going down. He stopped the sun from going down so that he would have more hours of brightness so he could win the battle and he can defeat the army. He didn't tell Joshua before, Hey, by the way, um, I know that it's almost dark and you're, and you're going to face this army, but don't worry. I'm going to stop the sun and it'll be light forever. He just said, go do it. And trust me, I got your back. Be strong and courageous. That's all Joshua taught in the book of Joshua. It's like, constantly be strong and courageous, be bold, go forward, know who I called you to be. And Joshua was like, okay, I'm going to do this. And I, you don't have to worry about how God is going to show up. That's up to God to worry about. It's none of your business. If he's called you to do something and you feel like, oh, I should go to this church. I should start a marriage ministry. I should start a mom's ministry. I should start a podcast. I should write a book. Don't worry about all the logistical details. Just do it. Answer the calling 
and then he equips you with superpowers to do it. He doesn't want you to be able to do it in your own strength because then who's going to get the glory? You get the glory. But yeah, she's practiced forever. She's done this forever. Of course, of course she wrote a best-selling book. She had, she was in honors classes and got all A's through high school and then had a full ride scholarship at U of M and graduated with honors there. And, and of course she was a best-selling author. Like, do those people become best-selling authors? Of course. Yes, they're great. They're talented. But if God wants to use you for his glory, answer the calling and don't be all caught up in what's going to happen. Um, so harm's done to you, but harm's also done by you. What are the things that you've done? Because I've done some pretty bad things in my life. I have stolen from people. I have lied to people. I've manipulated people. I cheated on people. I abused people. I and mean, there was a lot of bad things that I've done because of who I used to be and because of my past. Now, this isn't a message to get you to dwell on your past and you're a terrible person and, and look at everything you've done. But in my recovery program that I'm in, they had us actually make a list, okay, a list, and you had to share it with people of all the harms that you've done to people. And it wasn't easy making this list. And it didn't make me feel good. It made me feel terrible. And it, the point of it was to see on paper what you have done and remember that God has forgiven you. He has forgiven you. Although you've done all of this stuff, he sent his son to die for you, knowing that you did all of this stuff. Because you did this stuff, Jesus had to die. And it was a really big awakening moment of, oh my gosh, like look at what I've been washed with and forgiven for. And one of the biggest things that held me back was forgiveness. I couldn't forgive my dad for abandoning me. What kind of person just abandons their kid? And because of you, my life was messed up. Because of you, I struggled with all this stuff. Because of you, I sought the approval and the desire of all these men and all these people. And it's why I was, that's why I did drugs. It's why I slept around. It's why I had a dark day. Like because of your sin and because you were a crappy person and you got my mom pregnant at a young age, then you dipped out and you weren't the man I needed. You messed up my life. Like, it's not easy to forgive someone who ruins your life. And, and forgiveness is hard to do. But when you see that God has forgiven you, you start to see that you can forgive other people because God doesn't want you having all this resentment in your heart against these people. Resentments that you have in your life, people that you think about, it just makes your blood boil. Like you're so mad at them for certain things. Or, you know, maybe past sins that you've committed and things that you've done. You just, you can't forgive yourself. That's a big one. You can't forgive yourself of the things that you've done. The way that you treated your kids, the way you were as a mom, the way you were as a wife, the way that you struggled in your mental health. Like there's so many things that us as women hold on to of our own pain and our own trauma that we cannot let go of and we can't forgive ourselves. And so we're going to do two parts of this message. And this is forgiveness part one and forgiveness part two, we're going to go a little bit deeper because this is everything that I've been learning in my recovery group on step eight is forgiveness. 
And it's been one of the hardest steps for not only me, but everyone else in my group. And I can see that when I went to therapy and I knew something was holding me back, I knew that it was God. I knew it was God telling me and the Holy Spirit telling, because I kept telling my therapist, I'm like, I don't know what it is, but God wants me to forgive my dad. Like, I just know it. And, and I started crying. I'm like, I can't, how am I going to forgive him? Like, I can't forgive him. I can't even imagine talking to him. I can't even imagine seeing him face to face. Like, and I'm like, I have to keep coming to therapy until I am eventually ready to do this. And I started crying even harder. I'm like, knowing that this is why I'm like, knowing like, this is what I'm going to have to do one day soon. is just crushing me. I don't want to do this. And my therapist was amazing. And she, you know, I promised, I told her, I said, I'm going to, I'm going to meet with you for an entire year. I'm going to finish therapy. I'm going to go from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. I started right in January and I went all year long. And something that happened was definitely supernatural. It was not me because I got to a point where I was sitting in this office doing something, working, or I was doing something. And all of a sudden it hit me where I wanted to text my dad. And I haven't talked to him in like at all in like six years. And so I just picked up my phone and I texted him and I said, Hey, it's me, uh, Taryn. I would love to get together with you sometime and talk. And I just like literally came out and I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like, I cannot believe I just texted him this. And he texted me back and said, I would love to talk. That sounds wonderful. What does your schedule look like? And I just started bawling because I could feel the presence of the Holy spirit. I could feel God's grace. I could, I could feel this like resentment and anger and this like twisting inside. I could literally feel it release. And it was so incredible to have that feeling because I was trusting in God and I was becoming a peacemaker. Okay, perfect. Christy, this is what I'm about to talk about. She says, as Christians, we're called to forgive and then to forget, which I think is the hardest part. But my pastor said to me, we have to choose to forget because if we don't, it takes up negative space in our brains. We have to cast down negativity in our brain and replace it with the things of God. And that is so true. So there's, there's a few scriptures here. Um, one of them says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. God instructs us. He says, I have forgiven you. Now you better forgive someone else. Um, there are so many scriptures in the Bible that talk about forgiveness. The other ones in Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Remember, that's what we're called to do. We're called to be imitators of God. We receive God. We walk in the light. We walk in a way where we're different, where people are like, what is different about you? You're, we have the fruits of the spirit patience, joy, kindness, gentleness, self-control. We are different because we walk with God. We're showing that as an example, you don't always have to shove God down people's throats. And do you believe in Jesus? And do you know if you're going to heaven? Now there's people who do that, 
you don't have to do that to, to give the love of God, to show the love of God by being this person, by forgiving. The world doesn't forgive. The world says you've done me wrong. Now here comes payback. I'll give you back what I think you deserve. And we are not the judge. We are not called to judge others. There is a judge and he promises to make right and balance out all debt. And he is furious when people do wrong to his children. And we're going to talk about that in part two, but it's not about holding grudges and getting people back and paybacks and here we go. And it's not, it's about being different. It's about forgiving because what I learned through the whole process of forgetting my, forgiving my dad is life is not about us at all. It's about helping others find Jesus by showing them his love. So I shared an example a couple of weeks ago, how I didn't want to go to church at night. It was a Wednesday night service. I didn't feel like going And in my head, I was just thinking about me, 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 and all the things I didn't want to do. And I didn't feel good. And I was tired and I, all these things. And I ended up going. And because I went, nine other people went to church too. Um, My family and then my friend and her kids. And I just had this moment of sitting there of, this isn't about me. This isn't about me at all. It's about these nine other people that I just led to church. It was about them. So I need to stop looking at myself all the time and realize that I'm not just showing up for myself. And when I met with my dad, the Holy Spirit was with me, of course, all the time, but I felt the presence of God and I was actually excited to meet him. I was coming up, we were meeting on a Wednesday and I was, I was ready. I had no nerves whatsoever, even driving there. And I'm a very nervous person. I'm a very anxious person. I had zero anxiety. I was zero nervous. I was just excited. I couldn't wait to see him. I had no resentment. And when I saw this man and I told him that I forgave him, you should have seen. The dark place that he was in in his life and he needed my forgiveness. He, he was in such a dark pit. And I was able to forgive him. I was able to tell him that. I was able to witness to him. I was able to pour God's love into him. I was able to tell him like, this is why he's, he's followed me on social media and he's seen everything that I've done. And I was able to mentor him and pour into him and invite him to church. And I was able to help him get sober. And I was able to bring him to my church and speak to him about the love of Jesus and speak to him about why he's in this dark place and speak to him about why the devil has a stronghold on his life because of generational sin and curses. Here I am thinking about me, thinking about how dare you leave me fatherless and leave me abandoned and do all this stuff to my mom and hurt us and do all of these things. But the devil wanted me to focus on me because if I was focusing on me and my wrong and my hurt and everything I was going through, then it kept the resentment in me. It kept the fear in me. And what that did, my abandonment issues caused me to want the approval of other people so desperately 
that I would do anything to get the approval of others. So when I was in high school, I was drinking and partying because that made me cool to the high school people. When I got older, I was sleeping around and doing drugs and partying and being crazy because that's what made me feel desired. That's what made me feel approved of was men falling all over me and telling me how great I was and how much they wanted to sleep with me. And that filled that void for me. And then when I got married and got older, the thing that filled the void for me was having money, having stuff, having success, having a Louis Vuitton purse and a brand new suburban and having a dream house and all of this stuff that I thought mattered. I wanted a savings account with $100,000 in it. And I wanted to go on lavish vacations and look what we have and look what we can do. And I had a ton of friends. I had a team of 10,000 people that worked with me and I had tons and tons and tons of friends, people who wanted to hang out with me, people who thought I was the greatest thing in the world because I had success, because I had money. And so the devil wanted to keep me with this shackle around my ankle because it wasn't about abandonment. It wasn't about that. It was about one me not forgiving my dad and being so cold and mean to him was putting him in a darker, 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 darker pit. He was getting closer to the devil and further away from God. He was suicidal. He was a, he was an addict. That was exactly where the devil wanted him to be. That was perfect for the devil. It also was putting me in a darker pit, going closer to the devil and further away from God. Now, God is always with us, even if we're in the pit. The scripture of though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for my God is with me. He is always with you, but you don't feel him with you because you don't know him because you don't know what he feels like because you don't know his voice because you're not walking with him. You're not intentional. You're not living in the life he called you to live. You're living in chaos. You're living in trauma. You're living in hurt. You're living in wounds. I, I would journal all the time and write about it was so loud. It's so loud, so loud here. Like there's just so much noise. It's like the white noise on the TV is turned up as loud as it can go. And everyone is in the room screaming as loud as they can. And I'm like, just trying to like think like, okay, like uh, why do I feel so miserable? And why am I so depressed? And it was just so loud and fast. And I was on the Gravitron and it was just spinning in circles. And it was just so much noise and so loud. And it's because it's all the demons and it's all the voices telling you you're not enough. You're never going to be anything. Your dad left you. Everyone will leave you. Then what happens is it puts a wedge in my marriage because I'm constantly worried that my husband's going to leave me. I'm constantly worried like, oh, he probably found someone else. Oh, he's probably, and that's insecure. And that's not attractive. And that's not going to bring us closer. It's going to push me away. And so the devil wanted this situation to stay the same. But because I was praying that God would lead me to where I need to go, God lead me down my path that I need to be. My exact prayer was slam the door or light the path. Wherever I'm not supposed to be, slam the door in my face, which means like slammed. If I'm not supposed to buy that house, I'm not going to get the house. If I'm not supposed to have that job, I'm not going to have the job. If I'm not supposed to be in this career, I'm going to fail. It is not going to come easy. Slam the door and light the path. God's way is easy. His path is easy. Once you can recognize it and once you go, if you're in God's will, it shouldn't be that hard to get something accomplished. 
If you're working so hard doing every single thing that you possibly can think of to get something and you're still not getting it, you're just not in God's will. Maybe it's just not his timing or it's not his will. So start praying, light the path or slam the door. Help me to walk down the path you want me to walk down. And then just be still. The feeling inside of me of you need to go see a therapist and forgive your dad, that was the Holy Spirit. He was telling me, this is your next step. Forgive your father. I will help you. I know it's scary. I will forgive him for you. I will change your heart of stone and make it soft. And the other prayer that I prayed all the time was help me to see people through the eyes of God, not through the eyes of me. My eyes are sinful eyes. My eyes and my heart is deceitful. I see people and I'm jealous. I see people and I'm offended. I see people and I'm judgmental. God sees people and he loves them and he cherishes them and they're chosen and they're beautiful. It's like when you have a baby and you look at your baby and you're like, this baby is literally perfect. Like this baby is a beautiful, oh my gosh, this baby is gorgeous. Like you cannot find one imperfection on this baby's face. But have you ever seen anyone else's baby that's kind of ugly? Where <laughs> you're like, oh, like she's, oh, okay. Like that baby looks kind of strange. You know, some babies are ugly. Like we can say that. Some babies are like, okay, come on. They're still a baby and they're beautiful and they're babies, but you're like, okay, you look kind of squished. Like let's, let's, let's your features like spread out for a minute. Like, but the mom would never think that their child looks like that because it's your child. You cherish your child. You're like, you are perfect. You're beautiful. You're amazing. That's how God looks at every single person. The rapists, the killers, the abusers, the abandoners, all of these people, he looks at them like that. And he's trying to turn them from their sinful ways. He's trying to change their heart because he wants them in the kingdom. Because remember, it's not about us. It's about the kingdom. That's what it's truly about. So if we can realize that life is not about us, that it's about other people, we'll start to live our lives a lot differently. When you don't feel like going to church, well, maybe it's not about you. Maybe it's about the person you're going to sit next to who needs you to say good morning to them and needs you to talk to them after church. Or like my daughter, we pray on our way to school every day that God puts people in her path that need her and helps her to be a light in the world. And if anyone is hurting or feeling rejected or feeling sad, that God brings them to Sophia because she is such an encourager and a supporter. And then she gets in the car after school and she's mad because she got placed. She had to, she didn't get to pick her seat at school. They assigned her her seat and she's sitting next to these two people that she didn't want to sit next to. And I was like, it's not about you. Maybe this is God answering our prayer this morning. Maybe one of these kids needs you. Maybe one of these kids needs your encouragement need your kindness, need your love. When you're just thinking of, oh, I wanted to sit in the front by my friends. Maybe God's like, hey, you prayed. You wanted me to use you. This is how I'm using you. So what a great way to be able to explain to our kids too, this, imagine learning this lesson when you were eight years old. You know, imagine how different things would be. So the two biggest things that, that the devil is using is fear and isolation. And when you're isolated, you're not being in God's will because you're living apart from him and the sin is isolating you and damaging your relationships, which are causing you even more pain. 
So that's the first thing that happens is when you get in a dark place, you isolate, you start canceling, you start ignoring phone calls, you start ignoring text messages, you start shutting down. And, you know, isolation doesn't mean that you are physically by yourself. You can be isolated in a room filled with people. I isolate a lot by just not communicating. I just get really quiet in my home. I'm still in my home. There's still six of us here. I'm just kind of quiet and I'm isolating. I'm not opening up. I'm not sharing how I feel. I am in the state of being alone and we're not alone because we have God. So if you're in the state of being alone and the devil has a stronghold on you, the best way to fix this, and it is an instant fix and it works every single time is you need to start spending time every single day with God, reading your Bible, doing a study. Like I said, Googling, like, what does the Bible say about insecurity? And then writing little scripture cards that can count as your time with God closing your eyes and praying before God speak to me through scripture. Help me do this. I don't even know what I'm doing, but I'm doing it because I don't want to feel this feeling anymore. Help me. And he will show up. He will help you. He wants us to be peacemakers. I mean, that's what he called us to do. Blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. Matthew 5, 9. If you're not feeling peaceful, like think about how you're feeling right now in your life, in your relationships, in your career, in your home life with your kids. Where's your peace? If you're not feeling peaceful, um, you know, many of us are, we're missing living in God's perfect peace. And it's sad, like we're missing it. It's God's perfect peace that he promises us, but we're missing it. But, you know, like thinking about it. Okay. So he rescued you. He rescued you to make you his to be conformed to his image and to dwell in his peace. But if you're not following Christ as one of his peacemakers, you can be following Christ, but you're not a peacemaker. You're still holding resentment in your heart against your dad. You're still holding all of this. You're still mad. You still have resentments against your abuser. You're still pissed off. I mean, if this is you, you are not a peacemaker. So if you're not following Christ as one of his peacemakers, you will not experience his blessing of peace. And it's a supernatural work in you. Like I said, it's not one that you can do on your own. It is the Holy Spirit that is going to work through you and is going to change your heart. God is for you. If you need to remember that, write it on a sticky note, put it on your computer, put it in your car, put it on your window, put it expo marker. I write with an expo marker on all my mirrors in my house right? God is for me. God is for you. He wants what is best for you. And the scripture is, if God is for us, who can be against us? Like I said earlier, he did not spare his own son, but give him up for us all. So how will he not also with Jesus graciously, graciously give us all the things that we want? He wants this for us. He wants healing. He wants us to mature. He wants us to grow because if we do, then we can talk to other people. When I forgave my dad, I quit my job. My job of 11 years, that was my dream career that filled every void in my life that made me feel amazing. That gave me all the praise of the world. I was speaking on stages in front of thousands of people. I had a platform of 
100,000 people. I was in my glory and I literally quit my job. I didn't quit my job for another high paying job. I quit my job. I quit my career because I realized after forgiving my dad and seeing what God had in store for me and preaching to my dad and pouring life into him, I literally bawled my eyes out my entire drive home from meeting with my dad because seeing him in the valley, I realized I am the perfect person for him and his life. And I saw God's entire plan. I saw it all. If I would have been raised by him, I would not have been the person I am today. My dad who raised me, who was married to my mom, who raised me, who adopted me to be his own daughter and who raised me, he taught me how to be an entrepreneur. He taught me how to have Jesus in my life. He taught me how to be a peacemaker. He taught me how to not hold grudges. He taught me how to go after anything that I want to go after, go against the grain, go against society. If I didn't have him raising me, I wouldn't be who I was today. So I am grateful that my dad abandoned me. I am grateful that that happened because it allowed me to become who I needed to become. What the enemy intends on evil, God will use for good. It was generational sin and it was sin at 16 years old when my dad got my mom pregnant and and had me. And that wasn't God's plan. He was an addict. He was homeless. He was, I mean, living on the streets. He was not the person who should be having a child, having sex when you're not married. Like there was so much sin involved in that and so much death and so much destruction, but God had a plan for my life and God was going to use my pain and use my experience from what's happened in my life to relate to other people. I am so glad that I did not have this amazing childhood that I was just raised. Everything was great. I'm so glad that I struggled with this. I am so glad that I struggled with addiction. I am so glad that I struggled with abandonment because if I didn't, I wouldn't be able to, to speak to any of you. I wouldn't be able to relate. I wouldn't be able to know the right things to say. I wouldn't be able to walk you through your own healing. I wouldn't be able to walk my father through the valley to show him this is the devil's plan. Come up here, open your eyes, wake up, see the life that God has for you. And because of my healing, I was able to step into this person. My imposter syndrome went away. My insecurity went away. My fears went away. My offensiveness went away. And I was able to be the person God wanted me to be. This is who God wanted me to be. God wanted me to call women out of the valley, inspire them out of the valley, inspire them to live the life that he has called you to do, to step into the scary things that he wants for you. But you have to start praying that God reveals this to you. So that's my challenge to you as I leave you today is I want you to start praying. I want you to make a list. And we talked about this last week. If you didn't do it, this is your second time that you can do this. Make a list of at least 20 things that you need prayer for in your life. 20 things that you want God to interfere with. 20 things that you want him to intervene, to step in the middle of. Pray that he exposes the things in your mind that need to be written on this paper. And over it might take you a couple of days to write the things on the paper. Keep praying that he brings things to your mind and the Holy Spirit reveals this to you. You will have a list of 20 things and I want you to read them every single day and pray them and pray them and pray them and pray them and watch God start to change your life. 
And whatever you're struggling with, maybe you need to re-listen to this podcast episode, whatever, it'll be episode 78, forgiveness part one. If you need to re-listen to this, is it pride, jealousy, insecurity, fear, previous harms done to you or harms that you've done to others, resentments, past sins, forgiveness to yourself. We're going to be talking about that in part two as well, because it's the biggest thing that we need to do. Forgive ourselves. Go on Google and look for the scriptures and start your note cards. You need to start doing something. If you want a different result, you have to do something different. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over every single day, strapping yourself to the Gravitron and hoping that something happens. Nothing different is going to happen. You continue to do the same thing. You're going to continue to have the same results. And if you think that there's going to be different results with the same activity, you're insane. <laughs> like bottom line, it, we have to step out of insanity because God has you living in the light. He has a calling on your life. You're not crazy for feeling called. Answer the call and he will equip you. Come back for forgiveness part two. We are going to do it next Wednesday in one week. Um, I am recording a very awesome, exciting promotional video at my church next Monday morning for our mom's group uh, at the time of the call. So we're not going to have a call next Monday, but next week, Wednesday, if you want to listen live, click the link in my bio on Instagram. It's just at Taryn Sarconi. And you can be on live with us 9.15 a.m. Eastern on the 14th, or you can listen to the recording, which will be episode 79, and I'll post it next Wednesday. Thank you for being here, especially you first timers. I really appreciate you. Uh, reach out to me on Instagram if you want to talk. I also have my calendar open for clarity calls. If you want to just run some ideas by me, you have some big, scary goals, you have no one to talk to, you need me to just to throw some advice on there. Um, I'm not a licensed therapist, but I don't need to be because we don't need credentials. Okay. Um, love you guys. Thank you so much and have a blessed week. Love you. Thank you for listening and spending your morning with me. I pray that God blesses your day and that he helps you to see the calling that is on your life. Lord, help us to be obedient to what you've called us to do. Help us to walk in our day side by side with you and link with your power instead of trying to do it on our own. We know we cannot do this on our own, although we try. Please continue to help us and continue to lead us and guide us. We love you so much in Jesus's holy name. Amen. Have a blessed day. Thanks for being here. Oh, and don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Taryn Sarconi so that you can grow with me and you can learn how to get out of the valley, how to stay out of the valley and exactly what to do to have the best life ever in 2022.